Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we're track walking. Did the and I have no idea what we're talking about today. Did the but, conjunction um, we're track walking instead of we are? We're talking about the structure of the English language today. Is that what we're doing? I mean that that is a topic I do want to talk about at some point. Is uh, okay one one part of the English language in particular. Because I used to be an English teacher, so uh, yeah, I, I, I've I've put some thought into these degrees, things. So. <laughs> I, did I ever tell you I took one English class in college? I think you have to, don't you? Yeah, you had to take. So if if you took back when I did it, if you took what they called honors English, yep, um, you could take one ten week English class, and that was the entirety of all of the like. Englishy humanities you needed for an engineering degree. And they were like, you're fine. You can read and write. Go to, go to engineering. They definitely do that <laughs> for a specific reason, to get you nerds through it. Yeah, it was pretty spectacular. I mean, it's, I wasn't even good at it, but I was just, I think it was a relative thing. Like, I was Shakespeare con- compared to some of the electrical engineers I was in school with, so it was yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk tonight about the things that we learn. And so oftentimes when we go to track events and kind of work our way through, theoretically and hopefully, you start at novice, you work your way towards intermediate and do advanced and if you want to through to competition, but kind of along the way, there are things that you need to learn. And we've kind of talked about we, these in part. Um, are we going to talk about the individual things or the process of learning? No. <laughs> None of that. Um, more, more of the result in what you do with it. Okay. So, there, you know, there are certain kinds of things you need to know flags you need to know passing rules you need to know etiquette you need to know how to use your brake you need to know how to use your steering wheel blah 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 but kind of as you go and no matter what level of driving you're at right now there are certain things i think we can agree that when you go to the track those are the things you are working on yeah 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 i've always got something like you should like every time you go out for session you should have an idea about what you want to be better when you come back in yes what are what are some of yours because i know it's it's been a while since you've actually been on a track so it'll be interesting to kind of see how you when you come back what those things are but in in general when you go to the track what are the things that you are being intentional about Right now, when I go out in a car, I am I am intentional about my interactions with the car. Um, I'm always trying to feel what the car is saying to me and how it reacts when I give it an input. Um, so, like like I'm firmly locked in the the talking to phase um, every time I go out in a car, which is really. Been, I mean, the last few times I did stuff in my Accord, but also in, in Bob's car on one lap. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not 
like I'm not working on lines, I'm not working on braking, I'm not, not, you know, all those things that you would do to go faster. I'm purely working on interaction with the automobile um, and thinking about how how does the steering wheel feel in my hands as I turn in? How does the steering wheel feel like when I start to get a whole bunch of slip angle or too much slip angle, you know, in this corner? And then how does that happen in the next corner? And all of those things happen, which definitely leads to some issues because I think um, I have a harder time focusing ahead on the track when I'm thinking about my own body and inputs and feelings. Um, certainly it caught me, caught me out a couple times on one lap. Um, where I would sort of like retreat into myself and go, oh, that was weird. Ah, corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. What about um, when you're actually on a bike? Um, that really depends. Um, I do, so I do a lot of different stuff. I ride so much that we're able to do, when Sony and I were riding, we had days where we would do like games. Um we would do um, what we would call lead follow, which wasn't not like you would lead follow in a car, but every lap we would swap positions. Mm -hmm. So one lap you're trying to stay in front of the person behind you, and the next lap you're trying to catch them. And on the back straightaway, you you allow, if you're the lead person, you pull over and allow the the person in front of you. So you never settle into a rhythm, really. and so that's a way to keep from from focusing too much, if you will. Um, we had a game called uh, Knees Everywhere, where you would try it's a good name. to... Yeah, I mean, that was it. We would I would look at someone and be like, Knees Everywhere? And she'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And so when you ride, there's a lot of times when, you know, when you're going through the apex of a corner, you can hit a knee puck down on the curbing, right? But not every corner is like that necessarily, especially when you've got double apexes and some weird things like that. But we would, rather than riding an ideal line necessarily, you would make sure you put a knee puck on the red and white curbing every time you crossed that curbing, Hmm. whether that was the ideal line or not. And it was a way to change the shape of the track and make the bike position super, super intentional. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. And and so and then you know the the normal things where you're like you're you know I'm I would have sessions where I would work on there's like two hard braking zones, and I would work on braking points specifically at those, okay. um, or work on carrying speed through a particular sequence, but sort of ignore the rest of the track because I did so many laps. I could really work on like one thing per session. So I had like, I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I work on. Sure. And for me, especially lately, it's been, um, vision and, um, my mental state, um, trying to trigger myself into flow more, um, which basically just allows my brain to work faster and to be more aware of what I'm doing and what's around me. Um, and my my vision, which I think kind of has to go along uh, with that if I'm going to do it well. Now, the these things that we're working on, and it... <clears throat> excuse me. 
genuinely doesn't matter if you are a novice or one of the best drivers in the world. You've got things that you are currently working on or even lessons that have been really important to you in the past, uh, whether it's a phrase or like this one thought that really clicked with you. Um, we, we all kind of have these things that we work on ourselves. And I think it's very important to keep in mind that the things that you are working on or the things, the lessons that you have learned that have been important to you are not important to everyone. And the things that you're working on now, not everybody is working on now. You know what I'm saying? I do. Um, it's just, I don't disagree with you because like we we're all doing our own thing out there. But I, I worry that, like, as a group, maybe we become too focused on ourselves and not, we're not discussing the things we're working on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, do you yeah. talk to anybody else about what you're working on? Or are you doing it in a vacuum? I, I do. Um, I don't know if anybody else reciprocates or not. Um, yeah, because I like, I, like, have to, like, shove people to get them to go do some of the stuff I do on track. I'm like, like, what are you doing? What are you working on? They're like, Oh, just riding laps. I'm like, dude, let's do a thing. Like, yeah, let's do something specific. And it's, I have people who will not do that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I, so, I, I do think people in the paddock are much more willing to share, which is even rare for a paddock, but much more willing to share like car setup. Um, things that they're doing to the car, like mechanically than like what they're working on mentally or skill wise. Do you think that's just like our, our socially, like we don't like to talk about our emotions thing? I think that's could be part of it. Um, I still find one of the hardest answers kind of universally to for any driver to answer is what are you good at? Um, I, I know <laughs> yeah. we've talked about that in the past, but like everybody can tell me what they're bad at or what they're working on, but it's so hard for people to come up with what they're good at. And the reason I bring this up is to not like, it, it, it truly isn't to like isolate yourself or to like say you are a unique flower blah 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 but um, you are scott I, well, <laughs> clearly um now this comes up a lot with instruction or coaching. i was gonna say this is a lot of this is instructor mind stuff yes um but i think also like when we're talking to other people about what we're working on and if they're willing to share with what they're working on um or if they're just having difficulty and they're just like not sure what to do, just keep in mind that the things that are important to you, the things that you are working on, the things that you have learned in the past may truly not be helpful for this person. Um, it could just be the language. If that's the case, like, you know, you can definitely work with that. And in a lot of other cases, it's even the entire approach. 
Uh, yeah. it, it could be that you are just, you're focusing on too much for them. They can't focus on two things at, during one session. It has to be one and it has to be high level for right now. Well, or it could be something they're not ready to learn. Right. For lack of a better way, like like they just don't. You know, it, it's hard to, to have somebody, like, to try to convince somebody that they need to work on flow state when they're trying to figure out where the apex actually is. Right. Um, they're just not ready yeah, and that's, for that. And that goes back to my... Uh, one of my favorite professors saying is, you know, a good deal of teaching or helping somebody else is lying to them and telling them that this step is easy. Like the next step that they need to take is easy and that they can do it. And then once they get to that, then you complicate it. (laughs) And then you go to the next step and then you complicate it again. Um, But especially in, in instruction or again, like if you're trying to help somebody work through a plateau or work through a difficulty that they're having, whatever it may be, just you kind of have to remove yourself from the equation. Definitely don't forget the things that you have learned. Don't forget the things that are important to you, but you have to go before that. You have to go wider than that. You have to like really listen and really dig in to what they are saying it takes a lot of communication between them and yourself to hopefully eventually like figure out what it is that they actually need. You know, I think, I don't think you're wrong, but I do. (laughs) I I, I like your tone. I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) I don't think you're wrong, but I do think you're coming at this from the point of a particular type of instructor, you're, you're like a nurturing guy when you instruct. And I'm not a hundred percent. I mean, I know that not all instructors are like that. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent certain that all students like that's the ideal instructor for them, especially at different parts in, in their driving career. Okay. Um, because I do think there are times in people's driving career when an instructor that says, go do this. Like, like, don't ask me questions. Go do it. Right. Is the right instructor to have on a particular day or a particular part of their career. And no offense to you, Scott. I think you, with your, your loving, emotional instructing, you're crap at that. Is my guess. Uh, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Oh, am I? Yeah. I Are you good so. at just telling people to go do a thing? Yeah. Oh, I've got specific drills that I make almost all of my drivers go do. Okay. Um, very specifically. And, but what they get out of that and how they apply it and like the actual significance of it can be completely different from my experience of it. Okay. I, I think I think conversely, you can't let your past or current problems or growing areas as a driver. Um, they are not the same as the drivers around you either. Um, no, I mean I I agree with that. But but I think that's I think that's a the same 
I think it's the same way of saying a very similar idea. Like one of the things I see a lot is I'm I'm old. I don't watch YouTube very much, um, and I know it's like a real thing for a lot of people. Yeah. And when they watch um, coaching videos, or they will watch like how to go faster videos, or they'll watch. Uh, other drivers' videos of even the things that they're working on, their cars, their particular issues or problems or things that they've found. Um, and I've seen drivers actually come away with, oh, that's what I'm going to work on then. That's the next thing I'm going to work on. Or, oh, that's an interest. They're having a problem with that. I have a problem with that too. And I don't think, don't get me wrong, I don't think it's a bad thing to identify in someone else to identify something that someone else is going through and want to apply it to you. What I'm saying is it's important to know yourself well enough to know, like you said, if you're ready for that, if you're ready to work on something or if that's even a real problem or just a problem that you're going to manufacture just to have something to work on but it's not actually going to help you long-term. Yeah, but as you said at the beginning, like, we suck at knowing ourselves. The, like, nobody can tell you what they're good at. Like, we're the, wor- the worst characteristic of ourselves is knowing ourselves. Yes. Yes. So I think that I, it wouldn't surprise me if what people are doing in, in watching those YouTube videos and that stuff that you're describing is simply looking for themselves somewhere else. Yes. And they're like, oh, look, I see me there. Or at least they they see what they think they look like right. in someone else. Yes. And I couldn't have paid you money to put a segue in there in the way that you did. Oh, because, good. Where's this going? <laughs> because I, I think you the You could nat- pay me money, though. I, you're, I could. I could. I mean, I'd be okay then. Yeah. Is... Then, then at that point, like, how do we know, like you asked, how do we know the lessons and the things that we need to be working on? Like, how do we know what our problems are? How do we know what the things that we need to be looking at are? Like, really? Because like you said, and like I say often, we are masters at self-deception and lying to right. ourselves all the time. And it's not a bad thing necessarily that we do this. I just want to be clear about that. Is we're getting something out of lying to ourselves. We're either protecting ourselves. We could be, we just have had a rough life and we don't need to be knocked down another peg right now. <laughs> what, I was going to say, like, if I was fully honest with myself, I would just be like, I am so bad at this. And then I like quit. Like, right. but it, that would be like everything. Like I have to convince myself there's hope. Sure. Um, which is a lie. Um, I've, <laughs> I've driven and ridden enough that, like, there, there's there's really not that much hope out there. Um, but I do have to lie to myself about that. Well, or just managing other people's expectations of you. It's like, this is what other people think I should be like if I do this hobby. I'm just going to manage their expectations off the top. I'm trash at this. Yeah. You know? Right. Bam. Right. Expectations set. <laughs> 
<laughs> any anything you aim over that is icing. Yeah, there's nothing better than somebody going, "Dude, you're faster than I thought you were." Yeah. And you're like, yeah. "Yes." Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like the second slowest guy out there, but I was faster than you, and you didn't think I was going to be, so yep. nailed it. Yep. <laughs> and you say that internally, of course, because out out loud, you're like, "Oh, you know, it's it was okay." Yeah, you know, you know. So it was, right. It's, it's that Midwest, it's that Midwest <laughs> thing, you know. Right. Um. But I think the the only way that we can truly know ourselves like how we really are either in a car or at work or in a relationship the people the ones who know our true selves are the ones who have to deal with our actions so if you are a wheel-to-wheel race car driver and you want to work on your race craft you should go talk to the drivers that you race around and get their input. I agree with that. Because you may think that you're really good at this one thing or, hey, I really kind of need to work on that. But if you talk to enough people, you will find a general consensus of what you are actually like to race against. And it's hard to get that from your video, even from other people's videos, because you are still the one watching other people's videos. Right. So you are still seeing yourself through your own eyes, even if it's in somebody else's car, if that makes sense. No, it is. It's it's really, it's even hard to come off track when you think you might have made a mistake and, and go up to a person and go, was that okay? Right. Which, um, I, which to be, I, to be honest, like I, tr- I genuinely try to do, even if like right. I'm not sure. Like I'll go talk to somebody and be like, "Hey, are we okay?" <laughs> right. The 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 thing that happened there, and you know, I've I've been told no in the past. Um, you know, I've tried to you know take the critique well and analyze it see if that's something i actually feel like i need to work on or if i am convinced my actions were the best i could do at the time but i think you have to go to the people who deal with your um your actions so if you're not a wheel-to-wheel racer you're just in hpde like go talk to the other drivers who you're around if you have an instructor like, if you're a novice, that's kind of an easy one. Like, go talk to your instructor. Go talk to the lead instructor. Um, it even helps sometimes to go talk to another instructor and just and just ask, hey, I'm the guy in this car. Did you see anything that's, like, these are the things I'm working on. Did you see anything that, you know, st- stood out to you? I would do that. I remember doing that in beginner meetings for HPDE with NASA, going like, "Uh, I'm the guy in this car. Um, Were my points okay? Like when we would go into the meeting and like to the whole classroom. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm driving a big, fast car, but I'm doing it slow. Are my points okay with everybody? And people would usually be like, yeah, or you're like, give us a little more room here. And and that really helped me calibrate myself in when I was learning to drive. And I think it becomes hard in like intermediate, advanced, and time attack land. Um, because wheel to wheel, 
Like you're theoretically wheel to wheel. Like your peers are having to deal with your bullshit <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right. Um, in novice, you know, hopefully you have an instructor, somebody who is designated to you. It's a perfect outside resource to give you feedback on how, how and what you're doing. In time attack, intermediate, advanced, there's, it's still like you're not wheel to wheel. So largely you don't have to deal with other people's stuff. And it's hard. And I think what I, I see people do is they kind of stagnate or this is where they just go all into building their car and making the car faster. Rather, rather like solely, rather than also putting energy into data review, into remote coaching, on-site coaching, um, or video review, whatever it may be, like whatever outside look in, it's it becomes crucial. Otherwise, I think you generally just find yourself nowhere. No, I, I think that, that more than a few people, and, and this, is, this is a really personal thing, I think more than a few people screw up their like second and third year of driving by changing the car constantly sure. during the second and third year of their driving because it's really common to do that. Um, and so they almost never go to the track with the same car that they were there last time because they're like, oh, I'll fix this, I'll fix this, I'll fix this. And, and not that it's bad to make your car better but i think it hampers driver growth um and it makes the things you should be learning during that time harder to learn and i'm not sure there's a a definite answer for that um I don't know where I'm going with that, but I've yeah. seen people get really frustrated. I think we we may like, like you may lose you lose a lot of drivers in the second and third year of driving anyway. They show up, they're yes. super excited. Um, they show up for their second year, they're still excited, they're doing some events and sometime second year, end of second year, third year, end of third year, they kinda like lose their enthusiasm and they don't come back again. Or they like go all in season two or three. And oh, yeah, and they now spent ninety thousand dollars on their Civic, and yeah, and they either get they get burnt out in one of a number of ways, right? Or all of them. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, probably. But, but I think I, I see data kind of being the easiest one that most people have gravitated to. Um, are you seeing that more in in drivers that are early in their career now? Yes. Uh, more, I mean, that the easiest thing is something like Harry's Lap Timer or even like Apex Pro. You can just download the app for free and like it'll time your lap, you know. Right. It's like that. that is the most basic form of data is a stopwatch, right? It's like right. the things that I just did equated into a faster lap time. Now, there's Yay. so many things <laughs> that happened in that lap. It's really hard to narrow it down into right. like it, it's a lot easier at the beginning it's much more difficult as you improve um because then you're saying 
Well, actually, my third fastest lap was actually my best overall lap. You just really screwed up this one corner. Right. And that becomes hard and why data, I think, is... I think it's easy because it's squiggles and it's graphs and it's dots and it's numbers. It's very concrete things that we can look at to see what's happening. I don't see that many in motorcycle land. I don't see that many people get to squiggles. They, they basically do lap time. That's it. Sure. Um, and you know, I saw that, of course, you know, I was doing car stuff a decade ago. Um, and I saw that with Harry's lap timer and that sort of thing, very few people analyze laps beyond, you know, lap time, the end. Sure. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. I know that, that riding bikes without any sort of lap timer, it's awfully hard to tell what you're doing right. Sure. Um, because you don't know if that thing that you just tried was actually faster or not. Sure. But only chasing lap time, like pure lap time, is... Yeah, it's hard. It it keeps like it, we we do that thing. You and I joke. Well, if you just drove harder, you would go faster. Yeah, and shoot, man, I'd be breaking records if that was the case. Yeah, and and so, like, how many times have you watched people like try to brake later and brake later and brake later because they think that's the secret to right. getting a fast lap? Well, and I think that's um, and I think that's where data gets tricky is because data can show you what you're doing that's okay it can show you what you're doing good and it can show you where you really need to do some work but it can't give you the order of operations right yet it can't really help you with your vision at all it Ugh, can't make it worse yeah, it can't help you with mindset like, data is a very, like, even if you really dig into the numbers, it is still a pretty high-level, almost secondary function of what is happening to a person as they are driving the car. Right. And that is where I think fundamentally you have to seek people. You have to. If you... If you're really serious and you really want to hone down on who you are and how to get better and how to know what your strengths truly are and how to improve, even improve on those, like data will help show you what you're good at. It'll help show you what you need work on, but it's very hard to tell you how to get there. It's very hard to know into any particular corner how much trail braking to use. It's very. Are we diff- just are we just promoting more coaching here? Is that what the where this show is going? I mean, I I, I feel like it kind of. <laughs> but but so I think you meant it to go, or no, is that just like it's just organically going there? It it's organic, but but I think at at the end of it, it's in seeking to. Be a better driver. Like how we started this out was the things that you're working on 
other people aren't necessarily working on. Right. Other people's problems aren't necessarily your problems. Like right. it's it's knowing what's good for you. It's knowing what's going to be healthy for you. It's it's knowing that if I take this step and then this step, that will get me into another place where then I can figure out what the next step after that is. Because unless you have outside perspective, like let's even take the person out of it, but unless you see from outside of yourself, like fully outside of yourself, you don't have that insight. That's what I'm saying. All right. So this doesn't sound fun. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a job. <laughs> like, like Scott wants me to go to driver's job to be a better driver at my driving job. And like, when does this, I know that going fast is fun, right? Like doing really well is fun and like being bad at it is Maybe. less fun. But like this has to, I want to say it has to be an enjoyable hobby because it's, Good Lord, there's some self-loathing that goes along with this stupid sport. But, like, how... It's expensive and it's work, and we should come away with this, like, enlightened and joyful and making our life better and... But I think that's... That's a hard balance. Yes, but I think that's made better through sharing it and getting insights from other people. I had a no. I yeah, like I would agree with that. I think like like we've talked about the fact that the, you know the the people are the reason for the hobby. Right. I'm okay. Here here's here's a concrete example. Yeah. I had a a novice student at Blackhawk Farms who drove a rad super wagon. Legacy. I hope they listen wagon. to this and they know who they are. I hope so. Um, but you don't see many like full size legacy wagons on track. The oh, th- a legacy wagon, not like an Impreza wagon, oh, but no. like a legacy. Yeah, the big one. Okay, big, uh, big girl. Amazing. Yeah, those are awesome. And as we were going through day one, you know, we were working on different stuff from every session. Kind of something new, something changed. And um, their partner was there as well. And come day two, uh, the driver came to me and said, you know, I think I realized that we're progressing too quickly for me. And I'm losing the fun of driving. And I said, well, that's some introspection. Yeah, and I I was super impressed. I'm like, <laughs> holy shit! Like the fact that you that this was important enough for you to take the time, realize something was off first of all, figure out what's off, and then figure out what you need to do, and then you have to do it. Like to go to somebody else, um, and say, hey, what we're working on isn't working for me is tough. I have to imagine is tough. And it was a really good reminder to me that again, the, 
you know, you, you said, you know, at the beginning, some students need to be told what to do right now. Right. Go, go and do this thing. This novice was not one of those. We still had, we still did specific things, but in much smaller bites so that she, that the driver could still, um, experience the joy of driving a new track and enjoying the weekend and just the car, the, the monster boat that was the super wagon. <laughs> um, and that was, that was, I, I was really impressed with that. And her partner even came up to me afterwards and said that it's like, I, I knew this was happening and I think it was important that, they got there on their own and I was, yeah no that that's a pretty profound story yeah like i was like i'm i'm very impressed by that yeah and you know they're still out there driving doing new tracks kind of all over and stuff and it's it's cool to see and so that this isn't just a a message for your local coach or instructor because in that moment, I was actually the hindrance. Yeah. Like, the the things I thought the driver needed to work on, because that had been my experience in the past and kind of what I was seeing on track, they may have still needed to work on them, but not right now. Not in this right. way. Not this quickly. And I think... You know... Yeah, go ahead. And I've only really seen that, you know, when, when, you, when you phrase it like that, I've seen that with the, a parent-child relationship um, oh, when yeah. they're learning to ride bikes. And, you know, the parents are like, they need to, you know, you need to do this. Follow me. Look at the apexes, blah, blah, blah. And inevitably, I'll get to the middle of the day and I'll pull the parent aside and I'll be like, you just need to let them ride. Yeah. Like, this has to be a fun thing for them to do. Just let them go do laps. And they're like, yeah, but I'm like, Swear to God, just let them go out for a session and ride laps and have a good time. Yeah. Because if this isn't fun, they're not going to want to do it again. Right. Um, and usually the parents are like, oh, yeah, I guess that's why we're here. <laughs> and, and you know, they go out and then the parent has more fun because, like, like there's nothing worse than going around at, at half speed, looking behind you, seeing if your kid is doing what you tell them to do. Sure. Um, Versus going out and, you know, rip, ripping laps with your buddies. Um, but, um, so yeah, that's really the only, that's, that's the situation where I've seen that. So it's kind of cool to see, like, actual grown-ups do that themselves. Is, <laughs> yeah, isn't it nutty, like, sometimes kids actually know what they want more than adults do? Like, yeah, well, I mean, for the most part, kids just want to go with fun, right? And sometimes fun is like learning to go really fast and sometimes fun is just like you know ripping laps like right learning how to put knee down learning like like kids in go-karts at a at like a rental go-kart track are some of the most fun things to watch if you've ever just yeah. like gone and watched the insanity that's a rental go-kart track <laughs> yes like watch a bunch of 10 11 and 12 year olds just driving a, a 15 minute session for pure joy yep. badly. Yes. <laughs> like really badly, but by God, are they having a good time? 
Yeah, they're not working on anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, they should be, maybe. But yeah. um, more, they're having more fun than I'm capable of having in rental go-karts. Um, sure. Because I'm always trying to go fast when I go out there. Like, I can't, I can't turn that off, necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this I mean, desire to do well rather than right. have fun. Or just enjoy it. Let's like we can enjoy even take it. the fun out of it because enjoy right. can mean can actually include some of the hardships involved. But like, yeah, enjoy it instead of wanting to perform well. Yeah, that's yeah, hard. And then we, man, yeah. And then we say this, and we started the whole show with like, "What do you work on when you go out there?" Because both of us always work on something. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think hardly ever do I go out for a session. Like, even when. Like, my kids are in school, and I take the 70 out just to ride the rental track at the car track. So I've got three and a half horsepower, and I'm just going to go ride, I don't know, 40 laps on the rental track. Yeah. Um, I'm usually trying to do something. Now, I'm, I'm clearly there mostly just to have, like, I'll tell myself, I, I only brought out the slowest bike I own just to have fun. But... No. In bringing a bike with only three and a half horsepower, like you really, there's things that you have to do to not go slow. Yeah. That yeah. are different than when you've got a bike with, with eight horsepower or 14 horsepower. Sure. Um, and it is fun, but yeah, I'm always kind of working on something. And I do the track both directions so I can work on different things in both directions. And uh, I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> well, that kind of goes back. To what we were talking about, we're all, I wouldn't say our, we're, not all of us are our worst enemy, but we all certainly don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. Right. And that's, that's why I think we need to get, we need to know who we are in the eyes of somebody else, which can be an incredibly humbling experience. And also maybe at the exact same time encouraging. Well, it also, it also requires us to be around a set of peers that are capable of doing that. Sure. Um, because not all of my buddies are capable of objectively looking at how I ride or drive and providing some sort of useful in- feedback to me. Sure. Yeah, that's um, totally fair. And, and I've, certainly seen groups of friends show up to do um, motorcycle stuff. Um, but HPDE is where you've got three or four friends who show up and they kind of hang out with each other. Yep. And none of them are in a position to help each other get better. Sure. Um, and when we see that at the, at the motorcycle track, because we're all, you know, we're all paddocked under the canopy together. It's a, it's, super easy to walk up and talk to somebody yeah. and it's a lot harder to track because the distances are greater and like you have to go find somebody. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, there's, there's gotta be a, I don't know how you fix that part. Cause like hanging out with your buddies is such an important part of being at the track anyway. Right. Um, that, you know, seeking out new buddies that will help you more is kind of hard. Yeah. You know, kind of involves talking to new people sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you should talk to, I mean, 
really, Scott, even you should talk to more people, and you already talked yeah. to almost everybody. I should talk to more people. You're 100% correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Then you've got the schedule, which is why, you know, instructing and driving on the same weekend is just hard, man, you know? It is. It's like in that time that I'm spending talking and helping my my ducks um it's time that you know could be spent talking with my peers um or my mentors even right what what can i do it's like i'm i'm having trouble here like what do i need to do um, right you know i i think one one time this year that i actually like did a good thing for myself that I normally wouldn't do was at Midwest festival before don't remember which race, maybe race two. I think it was race two. Um, you know, we'd just been repairing the car. A lot of things were happening and I went and grabbed, um, a buddy of mine who I have raced with that, he has a kind of quiet confidence about him and we've raced enough in the past to know each other decently well. And I just came over to him, kind of told, like gave him a super brief synopsis of what happened. And like, can you come and give me a pep talk in like five minutes once I'm strapped in? (laughs) He said, yeah. And because it's got to happen after I'm strapped in, right? Because then at that point I have nothing else to do other than think about the last thing that's said to me, and then go up to grid and drive. So it's like the perfect window. So I got in, and sure enough, like once I once Becky did her checks and everything, came over. It was super quick, super brief, and exactly what I needed. That's kind of fantastic. Yeah, super helpful. So thank you, Ben, if you're listening. That's one of the few times when, like, you're 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 being useful to yourself. Yes, which is hard to do in the moments before a race. Well, and knowing what you can't do for yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. I, in certain situations, I have a hard time of. <laughs> I don't mean to make myself sound like an infant, like self-soothing, like. How do you bring yourself down and get yourself refocused? And a lot of, I'm I'm getting a lot better with that, but there are certain times like this where I just didn't have the time. Right. I didn't have the time and I didn't quite have the amount of energy given that I just spent all this time doing these other things. And I yeah, there's gotta be, there's gotta be like, like when you say self-soothing, like that's obviously something I'm familiar with due to my massive interactions with children but I've never really thought of applying that to myself in the same way really until you said it out loud like because I've never talked about this in depth because this is a huge deal for me (laughs) no because I've, I've never heard that term used in that environment like I you know I've I've certainly We've talked about, you know, bringing yourself back to the moment and doing all those things. Sure. 
Um, and we've, we've used phrasing like that, but, but this is one of those things where you just use like the right phrase that, that clicked my brain. And I went, Ooh, wait a minute. Yeah. There's something there. See, and that, that was such a small thing for me. And yet it sounds like a big deal for you. Yeah. I I suck at that. Like I am, (laughs) I am a five-year-old throwing a fit inside my helmet way too often. Oh no, it's. No, it's it's a big deal to me. Just the the notion, like, of self soothing and that idea. You know, like like we said at the beginning, some lessons you learn aren't necessarily other people's. Yet, yeah, yeah, they can still be important sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Rate reviews if you want to. Um. Yeah, I don't know. At Trackwalking Podcast. We've been pretty crap about posting this summer, because uh, that. In my defense, it's I'm typically like Seth's job. In the middle of nowhere, and have like basically zero internety things here. So yeah. uh, I don't know if we've been bad about it. Yeah, Seth will barely give me his phone number. <laughs> I have yours now, though, so it's good. Yeah, oh, I mean, I have this one phone number. You're like a spy with multiple phones? Is that what we're talking about? No, I mean, is your man... Oh, yeah, you can have this phone number. It's fine. As soon as I leave here, you can call the cottage as much as you want. Right, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm saying here. Uh, I'm the spy. Got it. Good. Yeah, yeah. You're that, you're that guy. Well, we'll be back next week probably with some other nonsense. So, the two of us, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We'll talk to you next week.